0: FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey, everybody, welcome to episode 172 of the podcast that goes no snicked. It's another bu- 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 baby bu- 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 bonus episode. That's right, I'm your host, Jason Venable, and I almost accomplished our goal for the podcast. I almost got a mini episode out every week for the month of March. Um, but to be honest, it's more Marvel's fault than mine. Uh, <laughs> we only, hit, you know, March was a five Wednesday month this year, which means five weeks of comics, and whenever that happens, there's usually kind of a dead week, and, um, so over the last two weeks, we only had two issues um, that normally feature Wolverine, or Wolverine type characters of course, all an X-Men and then a Pussycat sandwiches in Uncanny X-Men. And you know, I don't think I could have done an episode, even even a mini episode on each of those by themselves. So, you know, I rolled them together. But then, Marvel also threw me another curveball in the fifth week. Uh, yeah, all new X-Men number seven doesn't actually have Wolverine in it. <laughs> so, so I was sitting on Uncanny X-Men numbers five, waiting for this week for all new to come out. And then I get it, and yep, no Wolverine. Which is too bad, because it's a uh, fantastic, macabre cover of uh, Cyclops being pulled into the dark by a a giant toad tongue. It's great. And and there's a lot of really good stuff in the issue. Um, There's a really dark tone, really good emotional stuff. The whole thing's just very macabre, kind of horny. But, you know, I'm not going to talk about it. Because by the very constitution of this podcast, I will not discuss comics that don't have Wolverine and or Wolverine related characters. So, you know, I can't tell you that the colors are fantastic and there's great character moments and that tone is super creepy. And he has a, a YouTube channel and he's drunk and, uh, yeah. I just I can't I can't tell you any of that. But I also can't tell you, you know. I just also have to 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 stay silent on the fact that it kind of bugs me why Wolverine is not in this issue. Um, it's fine if they want to take a break. Wolverine doesn't have to be in every issue. It's not it's not that. It's not a regular thing. They don't need Wolverine fiber. Um, but what bothers me though is because they talk about well, let's go look for Cyclops. You know, can't Wolverine just track them down? Well, no, her and Angel went to have a fight, and they're not answering their phones. Which is fine, under normal circumstances. You know, they did just, maybe, question mark, break up, question mark. And, you know, then Angel went all super badass, and they got to talk about that. That makes sense. And, when they go have that conversation, yeah, probably not going to answer their phone. You know, when... When couples have deep discussions, you put your phone, you know, away. That's the polite, respectful thing to do. So that part doesn't bother me. What bothers me a little bit is I'm like 85% sure that Angel and like 100% sure that Wolverine would not, like, not go up for Scott first. Like, they already know he's been kidnapped. So I think they would say, okay, we need to talk about this, but let's go find our our friend. You know, he's in danger and, you know, could be being murdered underground. (laughs) So let's go get him. Then, but then after that, after we rescue Scott, you and me, we gotta have some words. You gotta, you gotta sort this out. That would be fine. Uh, It kind of bugged me though that they went AWOL. Knowing that Scott is is in peril and you know not doing anything about that first, that just seemed a little out of character. The only thing that Hopeless can maybe redeem for that is if when well, we do see Angel and Wolverine again having the conversation, if one or both of them kind of were like, "Well, yeah, we need to go help Scott," but 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 putting the X Men first is what got our relationship in trouble anyway, so we're going to we're gonna put each other first this time. And, not necessarily the right decision, but at least if they address it, then at least, you know, you can say, okay, well, fine. <laughs> anyway, so, it's weird, because that part really kind of bugged me, but then the issue was really, really great, but, you know, I won't mention that, because Wolverine wasn't in it. So, you know, whatever. But, Pussycat Sabertooth is in Uncanny X-Men number five. No he doesn't have much to do. Uh Bun's not other than that one, other than that one issue when him and M uh, went to, to track down um the old golden boy. Um Witzer. Other than that, uh Bun hasn't really utilized saletures a whole lot in this book. Um besides the occasional hey, let's let's cut some stuff up. You now, let's make some mean faces. <laughs> but, um, anyway, he is he in is the issue, though. Uh, this is Uncanny X Men number five, written by Colin Bunn, pencils by Greg Land, inks by J. Shh, listen. Colors by Nolan Woodard, letters by VC's Joe Caramagna, and the cover is by Land and Woodard. And this cover is so 90s, it hurts. Now we have the uncanny X Men down the left side, the Sabretooth big old mug up front, and kind of cascading down. And then on the other, on the right side, facing off, we have the Dark Riders. Um, led by the, the orange T Rex, Predator X looking guy. So, of course, him and Sabretooth are growling at each other. And you know, it's kind of just a classic, like, Heroes Facing Off Against Villains comic book cover that you saw a lot, like in the late 70s, or early 80s. Um, what I kind of always think of is like, you know, I'm kidding, X-Men number 100, 100, stuff like that. That's not the only one. I think there was even X-Men covers before that that did that. But that's the one that always sticks out in my head. Um, Anyway, so it's not bad. It's just super... I don't know. The super nineties with the colors and, and all that. But you know, Land's art is very nostalgic of the nineties anyway, so I guess that makes sense. So alright, well we start off, remember that the uncanny team had tracked down the dark riders in Egypt. But it was a trick, and the dark riders teleported away to go to Genosha to get um triad. So we start off back in Egypt. And Monet uh, flies through the side of the pyramid so they can get out. Then we go back to Genosha. Uh, but Monet, of course, is like, You guys take the plane. I'm going to fly ahead. But she does <laughs> So we find our Dark Riders in Genosha. Um, Triage and Magneto argue about whether it was right to use him as bait or not. <laughs> um, and the Dark Riders attack. Uh, the X-Men, of course, can hold their own but then Triadge gets stabbed through the stomach by uh, the Predator X uh, dinosaur guy um, I don't remember all these Dark Riders names but anyway oh, but of course Triadge can can heal himself we guess um, Magneto uses some metal you know, pieces to continue to just fillet the dark riders, but then um Gauntlet gets him in his sights. He's gonna assassinate Magneto, but then the Uncanny X Men show up. Um you know, wreak havoc. You now we get a nice little panel where um Sabretooth is there cutting up the uh the glowy skeleton guy but, but his face is covered up by a uh, little armadillo troll guy's leg Um, so triage does him himself, archangel shows up and um, shoots one of the dark riders with his spears and then he cuts him in half yep (laughs) cuts him right in half so then Monet fights one of the monster guys he's an inhuman um, Psylocke Tries to take over uh, synapse and whatever. Um, Sabretooth breaks the glowy skeleton guy's arm. It's one of the best panels of the book. Uh, great colors. Um, lots of good sound effects. Um, just Sabretooth looks pretty sweet. So it's a nice panel. And the Dark Riders are done. And Manino wraps them all up in metal beams, steel beams and rhubarb and what have you. But of course, Gauntlet's like, mm, you can't leave us here. We'll come back for you. We'll always hunt you down, no matter what. Magneto's like, um, maybe you forgot, but I'm Magneto. I'm not leaving you here. And he snaps his fingers and does some mag- electromagnetic stuff. And a timer starts ticking down. And, um, yes, yeah, so the Magneto blows up the whole island of Genosha that poor island no one will leave it alone <laughs> it's always getting attacked or overrun or blown up or destroyed by sentinels or what have you and I guess now it's donezo I like guess done done I will say the panel where he blows it up is, is super 90's but it's pretty great uh, it's a full splash page with the Archangel and the Blackbird flying away there's some nice red and orange explosive colors as you see the island blow up behind them. you have a seriously large 90s font broom. No, I'm sorry. The 80s and the arms are the light. I think it's room. But it could be a big broom, too. Just just whoop, whoop, sweep that island into the ocean. Um, anyway, it's a pretty nice page. It's probably, probably the second best panel in the book. Um... Looks pretty pretty nice. Um and so Magneto and Sylock and Triadge have some more um, philosophical debates about what's right and wrong. Um Sabertith is like, Well, um, you never told us that you had explosives all over the island. It's getting kinda of hard to trust you. And Magneto's like, Oh hush up. <laughs> and then go back to another base. But first, now that they've used him as bait and are it to use him up and throw him away, um, Psylocke and Monet, or no, I'm sorry, Magic. I guess they I guess they had some kind of uh, standing commitment. Uh, so Magic teleports Psylocke, Monet, and Triage to uh, Xhaven and Limbo. Now Nino never intended for him to join the Uncanny team. He just needed to use him for his plan and now he's going to drop him off with Storm's team. Um, Storm and, and Psylocke have a nice little hug. They hug it out. Storm's like, dude, just stay here. And Psylocke's like, no, I can't. i got to help Archangel. i got to help Warren. And, you know, someone needs to keep their eye on Nagino. And we know y'all don't trust each other and y'all are at odds. So, uh, this issue kind of Establishes not not the you know, team you kind of already knew but kind of shows you where the uh, extraordinary team and the uncanny team kind of stand in regards to each other and relate to each other. And of course, I'm sure we'll we'll be seeing them come into conflict uh, probably sooner than later. Um, but yeah, so then sidewalk mode name take off, go back, and we find out the Magneto's backup base. This end, in the Savage Land. And you can get a really nice drawing. It's a Pterodactyls. Greg Land, um, I'm gonna say what, what really works on the panels I really like in this book is the colors and the inks. And that, that's not a slight on land. The pencils are also really good. But it's a combination of everything coming together. The, the, the panels that really work in this book are just a artistic, collaborative whole and just really make really good pages, They're really good panels. Um, so anyway, we go back to uh, the Savage Land War Room X is what the base is going to be called. <clears throat> okay, fine. Um, Magneto or Savage Two says something weird. He calls Magneto homie, which I don't like. Um, but doesn't doesn't seem like something he would say. And um, Oliver agrees. I don't know if you heard of that, but our intern is like, yeah, boo. He wouldn't say homie, Wah. he is voicing his objections in the background um... but Sabretooth, uh, he kind of takes Magneto to task, he says, so um... you got bombs all over this place too? And, uh, did you know that Triage can heal himself? and Psylocke says, probably not so she just gets up in Magneto's grill and says, you know what, we need to have a talk so they're going to go off by themselves we have another dumb panel with Monet biting her thumb, trying to be all sexy. Just when we were kind of getting past that in this book with Land's Art, we get a we get a thumb biting panel. Um and she says, Come on, teeth, I'll watch you do some heavy lifting. So yeah. So they're still flirting, kind of, I guess. Um and so Cylot tells you know, Magneto that the Storm asked them to stay but you know I, I didn't and I don't think she says all the reasons why she's staying with Magneto but she does tell Magneto hey you want this team to work um, you're going to have to like open up a little bit so people can trust you you got to let people know what's going on Um you know what did she say here? Um, she says, Monet is as close to a perfect mutant as possible. Crean might be a demulated beast, which I don't like that one. Anyway, um, but he's also dead lethal. And I'm a psychic ninja with the angel of death on a leash. You keep surprising us with those secretive plans of yours that's going to circle back and bite you. If we're teammates, start treating us as such. That's what X-Men do. And then he was like, huh, X-Men, whatever. <laughs> he goes, well, I guess if we're fighting for the dream, then I guess we'll be X-Men. Fine, I'll be an x Um Then we go to L.A., and the colors get nice and bright and sunny. Yeah. We have Phantom X and Mystique having a clandestine meeting. Um, they're flying around. Um, they're going after something. Oh, yeah, the, the, the stuff, some, Phantom Max is kind of being coy about what he saw in the Sunday kind of warehouse or whatever. Um, but then Magneto shows up, stops them in midair, which Phantom Max is like, what's going on? No one can see us. And Mystique is like, someone can. And we get a nice full page splash at the end. Phantom mistake, Mystique, we need to talk. And Magneto you know, with his magnetic lightning and his cable eye again. Um, which is really curious because I'm pretty sure next issue is this book tying into Apocalypse Wars, but, um, I guess that'll also involve Mystique of Panamax. Um, so the art was fine. Really enjoyed the colors. Um, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, the art, that's what it was. Oh, the writing was also fine. This book continues to be is nice and solid. It's a nice, solid X-Men book that, that has enough kind of classic X-Men feel to it. Um, definitely hits some, some 90s buttons in the art and kind of the, the plot a little bit as well. But that's not bad. I don't I don't mind 90s X-Men for the most part, so I don't necessarily mean that as as a, as a put down. Um I really enjoyed the colors. I think I said that already. The colors are really nice. know, um, yeah, overall, it was, it was an interesting enough resolution to the Dark Rider thing. We, we get to see Bun kind of play with with Mamino and Psylocke, and their relationship, uh, I guess, or maybe interplay is a better word, is definitely the most intriguing part of this book. Definitely the highlight and what I look most forward to seeing continue to develop is kind of they're both challenging each other not to be secretive while both kind of holding on to their own, if not necessarily secrets, then at least their own motivations are are being shrouded in mystery from each other. So, but um, yeah, I mean it's a, it's a good book, still a good series, it's still fun. Um... I'm going to give Uncanny X Men number five, four out of six claws. I'm really interested to see how they tie into Apocalypse Wars. Um, because the next issue for All New does not appear to be Apocalypse Wars. So, and you know, I thought All New is included, but maybe they're not. Um, or maybe they just have one more issue. Maybe it's kind of stepping up. But I'm curious whether, you know, because in Extraordinary, you know, they went to the future. It looks like the story's going to take place kind of in the future. So will the uncanny team also be time-traveling, or will there be something that applies to the present? Um I don't know. So we'll see how it kind of ties in. I guess I'm kind of interested. The first chapter wasn't great, but, you know, we'll see. I will say, it would be a real shame if All New doesn't tie in, since, you know, Evan, or a.k.a. Kid Apocalypse, um, is on the audience, so you you would think you would have have something to do, have a little stake in the situation, but, you know, whatever. So, anyway, um, that's a bonus episode of X Marks the Spot. Um, Hope you enjoyed it. I'm really going to try to make this the last uh, baby bonus episode to get back to the regular schedule. We'll see if I'm able to pull that off or not. So um, I don't know what'll be next. Still trying to work on, you know, the next flashback. Um, whether whether it's the next episode or not, I'm not sure. But it's going to be a rematch with the Hulk um, from Incredible Hulk 340. So if you have any thoughts on that, uh, please send them in. We'd love to talk about them when we do the episode. Um, it's pretty kind of. You know, as a collector in, in the 80s or 90s, that was a pretty landmark issue. So, if you read back then, or have gone back and read back then, you should have uh, some pretty good opinions about it. So, please uh, send those in if you feel someone inclined. Um Yeah, so, as usual, like the Facebook page. Um, Twitter is at SnitCast. Email us, SnitCast, at Yahoo.com. The website with show notes is nickcast.podbean.com, And, yeah, that's it. So, until next time, puns and snicks. Bye. And snap.